Well, thank you so much. I love that. You start seeing those names about uh, the Lord and the characteristics of the Lord. You can't help but be touched by it. I'm grateful for that. Well, today we continue our study in 1 John. And we have come to the second major division in that letter. Both divisions begin with the same words. In chapter 1, verse number 5, John said, And this is the message which we have heard from the beginning. And in that first division, John says to us that God is light. And the emphasis then is if we walk in light, we have fellowship. We have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with other believers. So in the first division, God is light and we have fellowship. We come to the second major division in chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message, same words. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning. Now in the first division, he said that God is light. In the second division, he says God is love. In the first division, his emphasis is on fellowship. In the second division, his emphasis is on relationship. So if I walk in the light, I have fellowship. If I have a relationship to God, then I have a relationship. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, where we left off last time. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in needs and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our heart before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now, if I were to ask you, are you a Christian, what would you say? If you said, yes, I am a Christian, then I would ask, how do I know that you are a Christian? If you tell me that you are a Christian, then you must ask the question, how do others know that I am a Christian? And John says there is one necessary ingredient 
to give evidence of being a Christian. In verse number 11, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Westcott wrote, Love reveals the children of God. We know a tree by its fruit, and we know a man by his conduct. Barclay wrote, the Christian ethic can be summed up in one word, love. And from the moment that a man pledges himself to Christ, he pledges himself to make love the mainspring of his life. Okay? So what John is saying then is the evidence that we know Jesus Christ is that we love. You see, Jesus loved. His love was unlimited. It was unconditional. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Thus, if we are followers of Christ, the Bible says that also is characteristic of our life. In fact, Paul wrote in Philippians 2.5, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, the point that he is making is that if I am a follower of Christ, if I have a relationship to Him, then I am loving. Why? Because He is loving. But what if you do not love? Well, look in verse number 14b. He who does not love abides in death. So, John is saying that the evidence we know Jesus Christ is that we love And if we do not love, John says then, in fact, we are murderers. Verse number 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And the illustration that he gave, the example that he gave is that of Cain, someone who did not love. Now, understand that Cain and Abel had the same physical family. They shared the same parents. They came from the same family. They had the same genes. But they did not have the same spiritual family. Because the Bible says that Cain was of the evil one. So even though they had the same physical family, they did not have the same spiritual family. The Bible says that they both brought an offering to God. Now, Abel's offering was accepted. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. So when we look at Cain and Abel, the Bible tells us that they had the same physical family, not the same spiritual family. They both, both brought an offering to the Lord. Abel's offering was accepted Because it was an offering of faith, but the Bible says that Cain's offering was not accepted, and it says that Cain was a murderer. Verse number 12, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother, and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now, the scripture here says that Cain slew his brother. He killed his own brother. Why? Because his brother was righteous. Does that make sense? I mean, is is that a reason to kill someone? He slew his brother. Why? Because his brother was righteous and he was evil. This is very intriguing to me. 
And as I read Barclay, he wrote, The good man is a walking rebuke to the evil man. Even if he never speaks a word to him, his life passes a silent judgment. The wisdom of Solomon, commenting, said, Let us lie in wait for the righteous, because he is not for our turn, and he is clean contrary to our doings. As I read that passage of Scripture, some things became clear to me. Why is it that there are people who have such hostility towards Christians today? Because they are righteous. You see, we think that we can appease a segment of society through tolerance, but the fact is, they can never be appeased. They hate you because you stand as a condemnation to their sin. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to do a thing. The Bible says that those who do not know Christ, those who are of the evil one, hate those who are righteous. Why? Because they are righteous. That's it. Because they are righteous. So the Bible says then that Cain was a murderer. He was someone who did not love. He was a murderer. Well, you may say, well, you know, to go back to your original question... I hadn't killed anybody. I mean, you know, at least I am not a murderer. I haven't killed anyone. But let me ask you another question. Then. Do you hate anybody? Look at verse number 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. You see, what Jesus was saying here is that the intent of hatred and murder are no different. It is no different. The intent is the same. Whether you hate or whether you murder, the intent is the same. Now, I'm sure that your neighbors would prefer that you hate them rather than that you kill them, but the intent's the same. That is what Jesus is saying. The intent is the same. So, I'm not physically taking anyone's life, but do I have hatred? Do I have hatred towards people? What about indifference? Are you indifferent? Look at verse number 17. You, therefore, beloved, and I'm in the wrong one, 317, but whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? He said, whenever you see someone who has needs but you are indifferent, how can you say that the love of God abides in you? Wearsby wrote, A man need not even hate his brother to be guilty of sin. All he has to do is ignore him. When I see someone who has need and ignore him, that's all I have to do. So if I don't love, he says that this person is a murderer. And then he begins to doubt his relationship. Look at verse number 19. We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our heart before Him in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. The word know is in the future tense. Now, according to Marshall, he said that John is thinking of a future time here. We know it's future tense. He's thinking of a future time. A time when there is a crisis of belief in your life. 
So you come to a time in your life when there is this crisis of belief and you begin to wonder, do I know the Lord? Am I saved? Do I have a relationship with Him? Do I really know Him? And so he says, then that our hearts condemn us. Okay? So here's what John is saying. We know future tense, there is coming a time, according to Marshall, he is anticipating a time that is going to come when you have a crisis of belief, and so you begin to wonder, do I know the Lord? What about my relationship to the Lord? And he said, our hearts condemn us. What does that mean? Well, it can mean one of two things. If my heart condemns me, then God must condemn me. That is one answer. If my heart condemns me, then God must condemn me. Or it can mean that my heart condemns me, but God knows my heart better than I know my heart. That my heart can condemn me, but that does not necessarily mean that God is then condemning me. Thomas Kempis wrote, Man sees the deed, but God knows the intention. Man judges actions, because that's all we can judge. Man judges actions, but God judges desires. So, according to this passage of Scripture, John is talking about having a relationship to God. How do I know that I have a relationship to God? He said that I love. Jesus loves, I love. That is a character, that is an essential characteristic of someone who knows the Lord. Now, he gives two commands that are necessary for the believer. In verse number 23, there John wrote, And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Now, John's understanding of believing, he said, the command is that we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His understanding of belief is an Old Testament understanding. Lord Ogilvy wrote, faith in the Old Testament means to put our weight down upon the faithfulness of God. John is, faith is a response to the evidence of faithfulness. So, in the Old Testament, the understanding of faith is that I put my weight on something. I'm all in. I put my weight down on it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this thing. My weight is resting on this and I have faith in God. Now, he says, we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ? It means that we believe in Him as a person. First of all, it means that I believe in Christ as a person. Barclay wrote, to believe in the name of Jesus Christ means to believe in the nature and character of Jesus Christ. For instance, Isaiah said when the Messiah came that He would be born of a virgin. To believe in His name means that I believe that. I believe that he was born of a virgin. The Bible says that he is the Son of God. That's what the Scripture says, that Jesus is the Son of God. To believe in his name then means that I believe that he is the Son of God. You recall that Jesus was speaking to his disciples on an occasion, and he said, uh, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, you know, there's a lot of opinions. There are those who think that you're Elijah, or maybe you're Jeremiah, or you're one of the prophets, or... There are a lot of ideas as to who you are. And Jesus then said to the disciples, But who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So what does it mean then to believe in His name? It means that I believe in Him as a person, and I believe that He is the only Savior. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, 
And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means that I, in, in, in the name of Jesus, it means I believe in who he is, his, his person. It means that I believe that he is the Savior, the one that God has provided. So there are two commands there. He says that in order for us to live our lives to please the Lord, two commands. He said we are to believe in his name. And secondly, he says we're to love one another. Verse number 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. That's what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 13, verse 34. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You know, a lot of times we say you're to love people like you love yourself. Well, sometimes I don't love myself. Do you? I mean, there are those times when I'm disgusted with myself. So that's not going to do you a favor if I love you like my, I love myself. Uh, sometimes we're told that we are to love because, uh, because we um, are loved by other people. The Bible says that we are to love because Jesus loved us. That's it. See, my love is not contingent upon what you do. If I'm loving like Jesus loved, I am to love you. Because Jesus loves me. Now, let's think about his love. The, the Bible tells us that his love was a selfless love. When he died on the cross, why did he do that? You know, the song says that he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone. Why did he stay there? He, he could have called angels to come and rescue him, but he didn't. Because his love is selfless. See? His love is not about him. His love is not selfish. It is selfless. So if we love like Christ, then my love must be selfless. And then his love was sacrificial. The scripture says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. His love was a sacrificial love. He gave himself on the cross. So if I love like Christ, it means then that, that my love is selfless. It means that my love is sacrificial. And it also means that my love is sanctified. Because the scripture says in Ephesians 5.26 that he might sanctify her. If I love you, you're better because of it. If I'm loving like Jesus. It is a sanctifying love. It is a setting apart because that's the kind of love that Jesus had. His love was selfless, it was sacrificial, and it was sanctified. So there are two commands, believe in his name and love one another. That's what the Lord says. Are you a Christian? See, we said to begin with, yes, I'm a Christian. Well, how do I know that you're a Christian? According to what John is saying here, well, we believe in his name and we love one another. And then there are two characteristics of a Christian. First of all, our love is active. In the New American Commentary, it says, Love is more than making a good speech. Love is to be demonstrated in actions and in truth. Love expresses itself in deeds. You know, it is very easy to say that I love someone, or that we love someone, isn't it? But it's not what we say, it's what we do, because love is active. Love is not passive, love is active. All right, so what does he say here? He says that love is active. And in verse number 11, he said, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now that's present tense. 
which means continuous action. All right, so when it says that we should love one another, present it means right now. I should be in the process of loving. And you should be in the process of loving. It is something that is present. It's happening right now. Right now, you should be loving. But then look at verse number 13. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. What's that? He says that we are to love. And don't be surprised if the world hates you. Again, the American commentary said the imperative construction of the verb marvel with the negative assumes an action that is already in process of occurring. This seems a little strange, does it not? He says, as a believer, that I am to love. I am to, I am to love as Jesus loved. That is what you and I are to do. We are to love as Jesus did. All right, so that is the command that he has given us, the characteristic of someone who knows the Lord. We are to be loving. And then he says, but do not be surprised if people hate you. I thought if I loved them, they were going to love me back. Isn't that what he's saying? Do not be surprised if people hate you. Then why, would, why should we love them? I mean, if I'm going to love people and then they're going to hate me in return, why bother? I mean, it, am I the only one who thinks that way? I mean, why do it? If I'm going to love and they're going to hate me anyway, why should I bother? Well, the answer is there in verse number 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. That is the reason that we love, even though we might be hated. You know, he, he is not saying that our love is the means of salvation. He says that it is the result of salvation. In other words, we love because that's who we are. Nothing you can do about it. If you know Jesus, you love. doesn't matter if the world hates you. You love because that's who you are. So, we don't love that we might gain salvation. We love because we have salvation. So, he says that there are two characteristics that we need. One is that our love is active, secondly, and then we live in confidence. Now, in verse number 14, he writes, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. Brown, in the epistles of John, wrote, The verb, we know, refers to knowledge obtained by drawing a conclusion based on facts. All right, so I have reached a conclusion based on the facts. What are the facts? The facts are that Jesus Christ died for me because he loves me. That's a fact. The fact is, we show the truth of his love by our actions. We show love by the way we live. Now, when we know that, then he says we live in confidence. Look at verse number 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. A commentary said the term confidence means boldness, a freedom of speech, and a frankness such as that a child has in approaching his father. I have confidence because I know this. I have confidence. Burdick wrote, it should be remembered that the confidence and boldness expressed contain nothing of impropriety or brashness it gives no license to anyone to command God to act. It does not erase the distinction between God's infinity and our humanity. So he says that we have confidence in God. Right, I have confidence in God. 
Sometimes people say, well, I have confidence in God, therefore I can say this and God has to do it. And I have confidence that He will. Maybe, maybe not. Because God is still God and we are still not. See, God is God, we are not. So it does not give us that kind of brashness. When I have confidence, when I know this and then I have confidence in God, then I can have confidence in my prayers in verse number 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. In other words, He is saying that I have confidence that my prayers are answered because I stand right before God. I keep His commandments. Stott said, obedience is the indispensable condition, not the meritorious cause of answered prayer. All right, so as a believer who has been changed by God, he says, now that I keep his commandments and I do those things that please him. What is that? I keep his commandments and I do those things that please him. The American commentary said, the things that please him are those spontaneous acts motivated by love and a desire to honor him above the specified commands. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, whether then you eat, or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, he is saying then that I am to keep the commandments of the Lord, but those spontaneous acts, you know, whenever you're out somewhere and God prompts you to do something and you do it? No reason. You're just prompted to do it. Maybe you go somewhere, you're at a restaurant, and you see someone there, and you're just prompted by the Spirit to pay their ticket. No reason. Not getting anything back. You just do it. Whatever it happens to be, those are the spontaneous acts, those things that please Him. It's over and above the commandments. See, we're not under the law. We don't, we're not limited to the law. We don't just do that, but we do those things that we believe please Him. Those spontaneous acts. Why do we do it? How do we have this confidence? Because of the Spirit, verse 24. And the one who keeps His commandment abides in Him and He in Him. And we know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Ogilvy wrote, when I am able to say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and that I am assured of His love, it is because the Holy Spirit has convinced me of that good news. God Himself has authenticated Himself. How do I know this? Well, because of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Hebert wrote, the Holy Spirit is the source from which the certainty of our relationship with God is drawn. My friend, if you know the Lord, then the Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells you. And the Holy Spirit then gives you assurance that God loves you. If you know the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, because the Bible says if we don't have the Spirit, we're not His. So, if you then have been born again and the Holy Spirit indwells you, and the Holy Spirit is there to assure you that God loves you, that's a strange thing to me, but that's right. The Holy Spirit is in your life to assure you that God loves you. So let me conclude. The evidence of being a Christian, you believe in Jesus as the Savior who's been sent by God. Jesus is the Messiah who died on the cross for your sins. You love the brethren. If you know Jesus, you love the brethren. Not because they love you back. Sometimes you're hated, but you love because that's who you are, because you're a child of God. And then we can live confidently 
because the Holy Spirit indwells us to assure us that we're His and that we're loved by Him. Do you know that? Well, I want you to. I want you to know the Lord, and I want you to know of His great love for you. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, I pray that you will today. Our Father, we come to a time of invitation, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to hearts. Lord, that you'll draw people to the Savior, the one who died on the cross because of his great love. And Lord, that our lives might be changed, that we might be like him. I ask in Christ's name, amen. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing. The, as the choir sings, an invitation is extended. If you've never trusted Christ, come today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please. They sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.